Nehemiah chapter number 8. Now, I'm, I love to go verse by verse and teach through a book. I don't have the opportunity to do that, so we're just going to kick right into chapter 8. But I'll try to give you some context on, on what's going on when we get to this place. And if you, one of my favorite books of the Bible is the, the book of Nehemiah. If you, if you go through the first six chapters, you'll find out it's really all about the walls. They're trying to get the walls built. And chapter 1, you, you kind of see Nehemiah's burden, his burden to have the walls built. And chapter 2, we see kind of the blessing, the king backs him and even gives him some of the resources to do it. And, and then chapter 3, he gets, it, he gets it all organized and he lays out his plan. And let me tell you, any time you're going to go forward and do something, you've got to have a plan, right? And don't do like we did Saturday and just take off and figure it out as you go. That doesn't normally work out well, but it worked out, uh, this one did. But, but Nehemiah had a good plan. You read, read all about that in chapter 3. Then, then chapters 4 through 6, you'll, you'll find that as any time you try to do something for the Lord, any time you try to build something for God, you're going to have some things come against you. Nehemiah was no exception. I'm telling you, he, had, he was ridiculed. He had distractions come. He had rumor mills and slandered. And you can read all about that through those chapters. And again, anytime you try to do something, those things, those things are really going to come. And, uh, and that's just part of it. And just get ready for that. But you know what Nehemiah did, though? He kept on working anyway. Kept on building anyway. Kept on building anyway. And Nehemiah chapter 6 and verse 15, you'll find out it took him 52 days with the help of God's people, and they built the walls all around, uh, rebuilt those walls all around Jerusalem, and here they are built again. And so the wall's finished. But you know what? The wall's finished, but the real work and the real purpose is just about to begin. And we're going to see that here in chapter 8 as we get ready. See, the purpose wasn't really about building the wall. It was about what was going to take place inside the walls. That's what really matters. Can I tell you, listen, I, I, I'm thankful to, uh, to attend here and be a member here, and, and I'm thankful for the attention to detail and how, yeah, I believe you ought to keep God's house as nice as you could keep it, right? And I'm thankful for even the future plans. I know we have another property and maybe another building someday, if the Lord allows it, uh, not too far off. And there's going to be more walls built, right? And when those things happen. But can I tell you, it isn't so much about the building. It isn't so much about the walls. It's what takes place inside the walls that ultimately matters. And that's what we're going to see here in Nehemiah chapter 8. See, the, the wall's finished, but it's time to worship now. And we're going to see a revival kind of kick in right here in, in Nehemiah chapter 8. I mean, it, it's, a, it's one of them good old revivals. How many of y'all remember the good old revivals? And you say, what do you mean by that? I'm, I'm talking about one of them old-fashioned, heaven-sent, uh, uh, sin, sin-erasing, devil-chasing. You just go right down the whole list, as all those preachers used to say, right? Window-shaking, soul-saving revival. And here's why. Because the people remembered it's about, not about the walls. It's ultimately about the Word. I appreciate Brother Harold's prayer just a little bit ago. It's about the Word. The Word being taught and preached and received and applied all over the building tonight. And hopefully with Lord's help in here as well. So tonight, that's what I want to do. I want to look at this revival that broke out inside those walls because of the Word of the living God. Remember this tonight. It's not about the walls. It's about the Word. Let's read together. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 8 and... And uh, it would be crazy for me to read this text and not ask you if, you're, if you can, if you're physically able to stand while I read it. You'll see why here in a little bit. <laughs> uh, but Nehemiah chapter 8 and, and verse number 1, read along with me in God's Word. The Bible says, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. 
And they spoke unto Ezra, the scribe, uh, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the congregation, both of the men and women. And all that could hear, important word, with understanding, upon the first day of the seventh month. Uh, and he read therein before the street that was before the water gate, from morning until midday. Y'all add that up. That's a pretty long time, isn't it? Before the men and the women, and those that could understand, and the ears of all the people were, what's that next word? Attentive unto the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for the, for the, the purpose. And beside him stood all these names that you and I, neither one can pronounce it. So we're going on down to verse number five. And the Bible says, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people, and he opened it, and all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, saying, what's those next two words? Amen, amen. Uh-oh. With lifting of what? Hands. Uh-oh. And bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Skip chapter or verse 7 because I can't read them either. And verse 8 says this. So they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. Let's pray. Father, we sure do thank you for your word tonight and for the next little bit, Lord. I want to take a look at the ingredients and, and why this revival took place inside the walls tonight, Lord. Because I think it's the same ingredient, to that, Lord, that can start in our own hearts. A, a revival, Lord, where we could just, just once again, Lord, fall in love with you all over again. Relive is what that word means. and uh, To live again, Lord, to be revived. Lord, it starts not with just some big meeting. It starts with us individually reaffirming ourselves, recommitting ourselves, and falling in love with your word again. Bless the teaching tonight, I pray. May we be encouraged, may we be challenged from it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for your standing. What brought about this revival that we're going, we just kind of read about inside the walls? And what, what brought about? And verse number one, I want you to see this. I, I just simply called the first one this. They hungered for God's word. They hungered for God's word. Look what it says. The Bible says, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate, and they spake unto Ezra the scribe, saying, Bring the law, or bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. You know how many times is it the, the preacher usually comes and says, Open your Bible. No, these people were out there yelling, Open the word of God. We want to hear the word of God. They, they, they literally wanted, they hungered for it. It was the people that were requesting it. They want to hear what God said. And it all happened at the water gate. Now, I'm not going to get too, too deep into symbolicism, but the water gate was a symbolic of the Word of God. Y'all, how many times through the Bible have you hear about the water or the Word of God? And it was kind of symbolic there and of the Word of God. And so these people, they hungered for the Word of God, and they told Ezra, bring us the book. What a contrast to what we see all over the place today. What a contrast to today, so many places I go, and I have the opportunity to preach out many times and you know, some people like good Bible preaching or, or like Bible preaching. I can't say I do good Bible preaching. They like Bible preaching. We'll say it that way. And, and some people don't, I find, as I travel. 
Some people want just a little, you know, just get up there and tell a little story and a little pep talk maybe. They're not hungry for the Word. They don't want verse by verse through the Word. They, don't want, to ex- they want to be excited or, or, or somebody to put on a show, but man, they did tell us a, just a cute story, whatever. Just don't get so deep into the Word. These people hungered for the Word. They asked for the Word to be read, and they asked uh, Ezra to go get the Word of, the, of, the, of God and read it to them. Kind of reminds me of a little boy who brought his family Bible out and from the coffee table said, Daddy, what is this? He said, it's the Bible. You know, it's the good book, son. That's, that's what that book is. And, and he said, well, whose is it? Well, it's, it, it's God's book. It's God's book. You know, that's, that's what, shouldn't we give him back to him then since we never use it? <laughs> Let me ask you about this. How much do you hunger for God's word? How much do you open God's word? And is it collecting dust? Or is the only time you open it when the preacher says, open up the word of God? How much time do you spend in it? If we're going to have any kind of revival and a reawakening in our own souls, listen, back to that first love you had, again, it's going to take some time, a hunger for God's word. I read about another lady who wanted to impress the preacher when he visited, and he dropped by for a visit. She said, she said, honey, to her daughter, now go get that precious book. You know, you know the book that mama loves so much. And the daughter ran out of the room, came back in, and came back in carrying the Sears Roebuck catalog. And you have to be older to get that one. Y'all remember that catalog? <laughs> I couldn't wait to get that every year. I could pick out and go circle everything I wanted for Christmas. And, uh, uh, but but the, uh, the point is, you know, that was what her daughter saw her spending her all her time in. What would your daughter go see? Go run and get. Go get that book I love so much. What would they come back with? Would it be the Word of God? Do you have a hunger for the Word of God? I believe we're only going to see a revival when God's people want His Word more than they want anything else. They want, they want to commune with God. And by the way, that's how God talks to us today, right? He talks to us through His Word. We talk to Him through prayer. So how in the world are we going to let God talk to us if we're not spending time in it? They hungered for God's word. Listen to Psalm 19, verse 9. The Bible says, The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. Yea, they, are, uh, yea, they much find gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Talking about the word of God, how sweet it is. Job 23, verse 12 said, I esteem the words of his mouth more than, more than necessary food. And I just want you to know, listen, I'm thankful for a Wednesday night crowd. Uh, because listen, you, you could have been doing anything tonight. You could, have, you could be anywhere tonight. And you're here because I believe you're that type of, of crowd who wants to hear the word of God, who has a hunger for the word of God. And you want to hear, hear it read and expound and explain it. And I believe some of us have that hunger. And, and that's why you're here. Why did this revival break out? Number one is because they... They were hungry for the Word of God. The second thing I saw as I looked through it was not only were they hungry for it, but notice uh, they, they listened, they heard it. The Bible says in verse 2, And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation both of men and women, and all that could, what's that next word? Hear with understanding upon the first day of the 17th month. Uh, seventh month, sorry. There is no 17 months, is there? <laughs> and he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from morning until midday before the men and the women and those that could understand in the ears. What do we do with our ears? We hear, right? All the people were, here's the key word, were attentive to the book of the law. They were attentive to the book of the law. 
So the law of Moses read, the law, if you would. We would, we would know that today as the, the Old Testament Pentateuch, the first five books of the, uh, of the Bible. It was on a scroll in those days, and, and, uh, and, and those con- they would read the, the scroll out loud often and so forth. And, and, uh, and no wonder you, people love to gather. You know, faith still cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, the Bible tells us. And, and so, so Ezra here was a scribe, but he was also a priest, and he was called to do the reading of the word of God. And I want you to see this. They read it from morning. Look at verse number three. Morning until midday. I want to tell you, listen, they hungered for it, but they also wanted to hear it, didn't it? They weren't time conscious is what I'm trying to say. They weren't, you know, doing this. Is it over yet? <laughs> Looking at the clock and how quick can we get out of here, those type of things. They stood for around five or six hours. By the way, they stood for about five or six hours. Not sitting in nice pews. How many, see how blessed we are. They stood there and they listened. And this wasn't a one-time occurrence. This was day after day. And pastor goes past 12 and we won't get upset, all right? One time in this month. Yeah, those type things. It amazes me how we can sit. And I'm saying we. I'm not throwing shade anywhere else. I do this too. How we can sit at ball games in terrible weather for hours upon hours. And the preacher goes five minutes over. We're all, golly. I'm burning my crock pot or, you know, whatever in the world's happening. And here they are. They, they just thirsted for God's word, hungered for God's word. And, and they were willing to listen and hear it over and over and over again. Now, don't misunderstand me. I don't believe services should just drag on unnecessarily. I always said this when I was pastoring. I want to be done before you are. <laughs> and that's, I think, a good way to look at it. But, and we, we as preachers need to be sensitive to, to time for sure. But I think... And especially today, people have a, uh, have a time span or an intention span of, if you would, the people will tell you, you read about it, about 12 minutes. Because you want to know what happens about every 12 minutes? We get a commercial on TV. That's about people's attention spans today. So I think it's a, it's a challenge in the day we, we live to, to teach and preach and spend some time in God's Word, but be attentive to that. But I also think people need to stretch their attention spans a little bit, right? Wouldn't that be good for us to all to get, get a little better at that? And, and uh, I, it amazes me. People can sit in a movie theater for hours and watch a movie. They can sit, uh, you know, like I said, for multiple hours, sometimes on the couch watching something and can't make it through a church service without going to the bathroom or three times or whatever, or without moving. and uh, We just need to work on that, I think, a little bit. And here's, Listen, revival broke out here because they hungered for it and they wanted to hear it. And it didn't matter how long it took. And kind of reminds me of a little boy asking his dad. He was his first time in church. and He didn't understand anything that was going on. You think about some of the stuff we do. If you weren't a church, you didn't grow up in church, you'd say, it doesn't make, what's that guy doing up there now? Well, he's getting ready to pray. What's that book he's carrying? Well, that's the Bible. And, and he just asked all these questions. And, and he said, well, what's... He, the preacher got up there and he took his watch off and he sat it right in front of him. And the little boy asked him, now, what does that mean? He said, absolutely nothing. <laughs> and sometimes I think it does mean nothing. But here's Ezra reading from midday, morning until midday. And it still says all the people were attentive. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir. It's a Wednesday night crowd here. Uh, uh, but why would we waste our time coming to church if we didn't want to listen? Right? Why would we waste our time coming to church if we didn't want to hear what God had for us? I often wonder that. 
Why would we want to just come play Facebook or whatever we do on our phones half the time, not paying attention or being up and out if you didn't have a hunger for God's Word? Revival broke out because they had a hunger for it and they wanted to hear it and they were attentive while His Word was being taught and preached and read. Then they also did this. Not only did they hunger for it, not only did they hear it, I wrote this down, they honored it. They honored it. Look at verse number 4. The Bible says, And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they made for the purpose. And beside him stood all those people. And verse number 5, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of the Lord, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people did what? Stood up. See, that's what I told you it would be. Be pretty crazy, but didn't make you do that tonight. <laughs> and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen and Amen, lifting up holy hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord. So here's Ezra, he stood upon a pulpit of wood, and it was made for the purpose of, of standing up there, being on a platform, preaching and teaching uh, God's Word and reading through it. And, and he opened the sight in front of all people. Notice he, what he opened, it was the book, it was the Word of God. Wasn't some some periodical? Some places you go, that's what they get. Uh, some places you go, they just read the newspaper and 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 try to make an application out of that whole thing without opening the Word of God anymore. Wasn't some modern day book written some by by just a Christian author? They opened the Word of God. They hungered for it and they opened it and they read it. He was above all the people. Open the Word of God. He's getting ready to preach. And notice what he did when they opened it. Again, they all stood up. How did they honor God's Word? The first thing I saw there is they, they stood, right? They honored it by standing. Now, contrary to what some believe today, having a pulpit and a crowd and, uh, you know, or having a, a pulpit up above the crowd and then standing for the reading of God's Word and then, and then all these things and then reading it, and it's, that's just traditions. So that's the way it should be done. You know, that's the way it was done in the Bible. A lot more of what we do here is more biblical than you think, right? Stand up here, open up the Word of God, preach it, teach, stand for it if you, can, if you physically can. It's pretty biblical. You know, I don't find one mention anywhere in the Bible, of, and I'm not against it necessarily, don't, don't get me too wrong tonight, but of a guy just pulling up a stool and having a conversation. But that's what everybody wants today. Hey, in the Bible, they opened up the Word of God. They stood up and they preached it. And they let it go. And they, they let it go. Uh, We'll look at Bible, what I believe the greatest definition of true Bible preaching here is in just a minute. But they honored it by standing. But wait a minute, keep going. They didn't honor it just by standing. They honored it, look what a, what's next. They honored it, I just called it this, by shouting. After he got done reading, what, what did they say? And Ezra opened the book of the Lord in sight of all the people, for he's above all the people. And they opened it and all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord and the great God. And all the people answered saying what again? Amen, Amen. and... Amen. Two times. Amen, amen. All the people, by the way, said it. Did y'all see that? It says all. Y'all know what I learned in Bible college all those years? We did all these deep studies on that word all. You know what it came back meaning? All. <laughs> all means all, and that's all that all means. How many of you have heard that many times? And, you know, that's, that's what it is. All the people said amen and amen. Amen means it is true. It is true. So be it. Is what it means. And so you can honor God's word, in other words, by saying amen. By the way, when you say that to a preacher, it's like, it's like saying, sick them, dog. <laughs> Go get them. Uh, I'm telling you, somewhere in the process of our, 
of our religious religiosity. Is that a word? It is now, right? Or the traditions of men. We've gotten, we've gotten the idea that we're supposed to be super quiet and never respond to anything. I don't know where that came from. Because all through my Bible, I see them, amen, and amen, and amen. We've gotten cold and lethargic when the Bible says all the people said amen and amen. By the way, let me just throw this out, trying not to stay, get too far off tangent here, but it wasn't just the men saying it. <laughs> I mean, we've gone to town on that, that verse says, let the women remain silent in churches. Hey, that was talking about usurping authority and so forth. Apply the rest of the scriptures. My Bible says, let everything that hath breath, what? Praise the Lord. Amen. And the Bible says here in Nehemiah, clearly, and all the people answered, amen and amen. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So let's practice just a little bit tonight. Let's surprise pastor when he comes back. And he'll wonder what in the world happened to this place. Listen, when he gets up on Sunday, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to say, preach! You said, that's not in there. I, well, it may not be, but that's all right. He'll preach. When he get, as soon as he gets up and he tells you what his text's going to be, say, amen. I mean, it'll shake. I'm telling you what, we'll have a fired up pastor is what we'll have. There's some good Bible words. Amen and amen's two up. How about hallelujah? That's a good one. How about praise the Lord and bless the Lord? Those are good words. And by the way, the Pentecostals didn't invent it. They didn't exist until 1903, if you go study it. <laughs> Good old Bibles, Baptists have been shouting it out for years. We just, we just quit for some reason. Let's get back to what the Bible says. Honor this word by standing. Honored it by shouting. And they honored it. Oh, no. Hang on. We're not done yet. With the lifting of their hands. With the lifting of their hands. <laughs> I'm about to lose some of you, right? Do y'all know lifting of your hands is biblical? Try it one time. Try it. I just want to see if you could do it. Hey, I'm going to, get, I'm going to really take a picture and put it, in the, put it in the paper. They'll wonder what kind of church we're in tonight. Hey, how about this? Let's get real crazy. Raise them and say amen. Amen. We can do it. Hey, man. That's a good one. Y'all learn to say, put an H in front of it. Hey, man. That's what they do down south in North Carolina where I've been preaching a lot. <laughs> do that one time when pastor gets up here just that's what we ought to do sunday morning everybody's here on wednesday nobody else know what's going on everybody was here on wednesday night and all of a sudden pastor gets up here and everybody just hey man you'll think we're doing the wave or something you know, who knows just tell you that's biblical that's what i'm trying to say it's very biblical have you ever lifted your hands in praise have you ever wanted to but didn't Preaching to myself now. I'm a pretty reserved guy. There's a lot of times I want to, and you know, and I just kind of, uh, whatever. Hey, go ahead and let her rip. Amen. Hey, they honored God's word by standing. They honored by, hey, speaking and shouting. Amen. They honored it by raising their hands. Old Town Baptist used to do it. By the way, this goes back beyond before that. Did you know Abraham did it? Listen to Genesis 14, verse 22. The Bible says, And Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have lift up mine hand unto the Lord. It goes all the way back. Amen. Hey, that's, that's good old time stuff. You say, but it's easy for people to get carried away, preacher. We, we might get all carried away. <laughs> I'll tell you what. 
it's a whole lot easier to calm down a zealot than it is to warm up a corpse, right? I used to coach a lot of football, and I'm telling you what, you give me that aggressive guy that got a penalty on every two, day, every two plays because he's too aggressive, I'd take him all day. I could calm him down. Give me that guy that was scared to do anything, wouldn't move, it's hard to make a player out of him. I tell you, I think God will take the zealots. Yeah, we can put a little calmness in them because he would get the praise and honor that he deserves. And Again, our greatest danger we face is not being a bunch of fanatics. It's being so cold and indifferent that God's word no longer makes an impact. Hey, they're having a revival breakout because, listen, they hungered for God's word. They, 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 they wanted God's word preached. They, they honored God's word. Listen to what the Bible says. At least 10 places I found. I won't read all 10 to you, but I did put them all down here. <laughs> it tells us to lift our holy hands. Psalm 28, verse 2. Hear the cry of my supplications when I cry unto thee, when I lift up my hands towards thy holy oracle. Psalm 63, verse 4. The Bible says, thus I will bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. Psalm 134, verse 2. Lift up thine hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Amen. Lamentations 3.41. Let us lift up our hearts with our hands unto God in the heavens. You say, that was all Old Testament. Okay, if you're going to be a dispensationalist, I am one. But how about 1 Timothy 2 verse 8. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Is he worth the effort of that? Is he worth a good amen every once in a while? Huh. By the way, if you're not comfortable with that, I love the atmosphere. I just got to get more comfortable doing it myself. I'm preaching myself. If we're not comfortable with that, we're not going to like heaven a whole lot. You ever read over Revelation chapter 4, and verse 10, the Bible says the four and 20 elders, those faithful pastors from the church age, I believe he's talking about there, they fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and casting their crowns before the throne saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created. You say, what's, what's the Bible talking about? There's going to be a lot of shouting in heaven. <laughs> I think there's going to be a lot, of, a lot of raising of hands in heaven. Don't get me wrong. Don't come put on a show. You all with me? Don't, don't intentionally knock your cup over. But I'm telling you what, if your cup gets bumped and it spills out, let her go. Uh, let her go. If you're not comfortable doing that, then, then okay, I get that. But listen, I don't think God wants us to sit around like a, like a bunch of Indians either, wooden Indians. I wrote this phrase a long time ago that y'all may not get it or not. I don't know. I, I grew up listening to country. Y'all pray for me, all right? We have too many Kalijahs. Anybody know that song, Kalijah? <laughs> the wooden Indian stand over by the door. And not enough Elijahs today. Huh. Is he worth the effort of a holy grunt and a good hand raise and a shout of an amen every once in a while? I think he is. They honored him by shouting. But notice one more thing tonight. They honored him also by bowing their faces to the ground. Look at verse number 6 again. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. All the people answered, saying, Amen and Amen. With lifting up their hands, they bowed their heads, though, and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. I don't have time to expound it out, but sometime I encourage you, go do a word study on worship. Worship. 
you'll find worship isn't this. That's praise. When you find in the Bible, worship is stooping yourself down low. It's literally falling your face before God. It's not thanking Him for what He's done for us. That's praise. Worship is honoring Him for who He is. And listen, no matter what He's done for us, He always needs to be honored for who He is. And they bowed their heads. Listen, they honored the Lord by bowing their heads down. Revelation 4.10, by the way, I just read it to you, but the elders fall down before Him that sat on the throne. Revelation 19, verse 4, listen to what we're going to be doing. They fell down at his feet. Numbers 23, verse, I'm sorry, Numbers 22, verse 31 says this, and he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. Every time you see true worship in the Bible, it is bowing down. Deuteronomy 6, verse 18, I fell down before the Lord. Job 1, verse 20, and he fell down upon the ground and worshiped. Matthew 2, 11, and when they came into the house, they saw the young child of Mary's mother and fell down and worshipped him. Matthew or Mark 3, verse 11, they fell down before him crying, Thou art the Son of God. I'm telling you what, when you get the presence of heaven, or you get in the presence of the Savior, you get in the presence of God, they fall down to worship. It's interesting. Again, I don't want to go off on a tangent here. But there's not one mention of anywhere in the Bible of a believer falling down backwards unless they were under judgment. I'll just leave that where it is. All right. Biblical worship always bows forward humbly before the Lord on your face. Read 1 Samuel 4, 18 and John, 8, John chapter 18. You'll find out that that falling backward was under judgment. These Jews, they listen, they honored God's word by standing, by shouting, by lifting their hands, by bowing. And I think we should do the same, don't you? Hey, that's all it took. And a revival broke out. Pretty simple, isn't it? Because it started here first. It started here. They hungered for God's word. They heard God's word. They honored God's word. I said lastly, just a little bit ago, I'm like, I'm like the Apostle Paul every once in a while. I'll just lie, finally, brethren, and we go on and on. But I got one more point. They handled God's word. And they handled it carefully. Look, look one more time with me. Verse number, verse number 7 and verse number 8. and Especially verse number 8. Uh, the people stood as he read at the end of verse 7. But, so in verse number 8, listen to how Ezra handled the word of God. So they read in the, book of the, in the book in the law of God. Notice there's another word right after that. What is that? Distinctly. And then, and gave the sense. So they read it distinctly. Everybody with me? They gave the sense. And notice the last part. And caused them to understand the reading. In my opinion, that is the greatest definition of Bible preaching anywhere in the Bible. Those three elements. Now, a lot of people won't think preaching something else, but listen, I think it's right there. First of all, they read the Bible distinctly. That, that literally has the idea slowly, clearly. Then they gave the sense. They literally explained the interpretation, what was happening in the passage. They expounded it. They explained it to... In its context, what it meant. 
And it took them to a place where, look at verse 8, that caused them to understand. Notice it wasn't just read a verse and then run around like a chicken with your head cut off being crazy and entertain everybody. That's what a lot of people think preaching is today. No, he read it distinctly. He gave the sense and he caused the people to understand. That's biblical preaching. That's what it's all about. Working through a passage, working through a book, explaining the sense, the contextual understanding, the historical and grammatical understanding of what's happening there, defining the words if you need to, giving, again, the background, and then causing the people to understand, and then applying it to your life and making a difference. See, it wasn't enough for them just to read the word. Somebody had to rightly divide it and explain it. We just don't need people to stand and give us a talk. We need somebody to explain God's word. It isn't about some cute poem that grabs your attention. It's about God's word who, that was explained and expounded in a way that you could take it out tomorrow and apply it to your life. The lesson God taught you tonight. That's biblical preaching. And by the way, let me just say that. That's why I'm a member here. Because we got a pastor that preaches like that every single week. And you ought to thank God for him, because I certainly do. Hey, he doesn't just come out with a thought and throw it out and entertain. He explains it. He reads it. He explains it. And then he applies it so it can make a difference in our lives. I'll tell you what, we're blessed to have that very thing here. That is biblical preaching. And I'm telling you, as a person that gets to preach and travel land, there is a famine of it in our society today. Thank God for pastor who studies. Thank God for pastor who reads it distinctly, gives the sense grammatically, historically, all that, and then helps us apply it. That's the kind of preaching that builds great Christians. It's the kind of preaching that builds great churches. That's the kind of preaching that brings about revivals like we just read about. Hey, we have a part. He had a part. And then God does his part. Amen. See, it's all about the word. It's not about the walls. Let's keep it about the word, church. Let's keep it about the word. Father, we sure do love you tonight. Thank you for our opportunity, Lord, to just gather together to look through this, this wonderful account, Lord, that really happened of folks really falling in love with you and your word again. And Lord, take some lessons from it, Lord, on how they honored you, how they honored the word and how they heard the word and how they hungered for the word. And, and Lord, the revival that broke out because of it. Lord, help us to be those type of people. Help us to hunger more than we do. Help me to hunger more than I do. Lord, help us to honor your word and honor you. Lord, help us to break out of our shells. And, and Lord, we saw how they honored you. They honored you, Lord, by standing. They honored you by shouting, Lord. They honored you by, by raising their hands. They honored you by humbly bowing before you in worship, Lord. Help us to be people who honor you. Lord, help us to handle your word correctly, too. Lord, we just thank you for the lessons we learned tonight. Lord, because uh, here's what it's all about. Your ultimate lesson is this. You don't want anyone, Lord, to, to die and go to, go to the devil's hell apart from you. That's the reason you came in the first place. That's the reason your word tells us, Lord, that, uh, that, that Lord, you love us because we first loved you. That's the reason you tell us that, Lord, you came to seek and save that which is lost. That's the reason, Lord, your word explains the gospel so clearly, how that Christ died for our sins, was buried, and rose again. And 
Lord, how if we would come to you by faith, you would save us. And then, Lord, take us on a journey that we would never, ever, ever want to go back off of, Lord, once we're saved. Lord, for would be one person in this place has never got their eternity settled, I pray, Lord, that, uh, that they would get it settled before they leave tonight. I sure would love to take the Bible and show them how to know that heaven's their home. But, Lord, it's a Wednesday night crowd, and I realize most folks here profess you already. And hopefully they possess you, too. God, help us to have a hunger again for your word and to honor you through it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.